This is a STEAM Channel program on UCTV. Go full STEAM ahead at uctv.tv slash STEAM, where science, technology, engineering, arts, and math converge. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Stephen Mercer. I'm an independent educational consultant helping students and families apply to colleges. And I'm also an instructor at UC San Diego Extension in the College Counseling Certificate Program. And I'm really honored to have a, a guest and an old friend, uh, an old student peer of mine, um, Dr. Tyler Behrens, who's the Associate Vice President at St. Mary's College in San Antonio. Um, Tyler, thanks for coming. Really excited to see you again. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me, and it's great to see you. So, you know, in other episodes, I've been talking a lot about how college admission and uh, the transition from secondary or community college to four-year school is being impacted by the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot to cover. And one of those areas is around um, employment and uh, what recent grads or about to grad, re, about to recently graduate students from college might be facing in the workforce. You know, the reason I wanted to speak with you today about this is because of your very extensive background in this area. So could you tell us a little bit just briefly about your professional experience working with students in the college setting around career and career placement? I've dedicated my entire career, actually, um, to working with students in career services. I've, I've made stops as dean of residence life and student housing, and I've worked in conduct and community standards, and um, I was chief of staff or vice president of student affairs. So I've had multiple roles, but the one constant has been career services. And um, in addition to that, I've worked as a, a corporate recruiter, hiring manager for a a global engineering firm, which was actually a Fortune 4 corporation. Not many people have heard of a Fortune 4, but I worked for one. And um, that's where I received and gained much of the wisdom and experience that you'll hear about today. Excellent. So this pandemic uh, has had impacts on economy and, of course, college admission, but so many facets of life. But with your experience in your current role, what can you tell us about how this pandemic is impacting the job prospects for students that are graduating just about now or soon to graduate? It hasn't been easy, as you might imagine. Um, you know, folks, let's say recent grads, folks who, who graduated in May, are having a difficult time because the job market has essentially shrunk. And what we're also seeing is um, uh, roughly 50 million additional job applicants in the pool. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking to recent grads and I'm talking to alumni who've been out perhaps a year, maybe a little bit more. And they're competing against folks who, you know, are, are seasoned veterans who've recently lost their jobs. So it's become exponentially more difficult not impossible, but it, 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 it's more difficult because uh, of the competition factor and because the resources are, I would say, or the opportunities are about a third of what they normally are. There are opportunities out there, but they're difficult to find. So uh, it requires job searchers and job seekers to be a little more creative and inventive in their search also requires them to lean on their network more than ever before. Some examples um, 
about the job market. Last year at this time, the average unemployment rate for recent college grads was about 5%, you know, high 4, 4. 8, 4. 9 to 5 or 5.1. Now it's 24% and it's pushing 25%. So it gives you some idea of the level of difficulty that's out there. So that's for recent college grads specifically, that, not that's the overall this year. number. Yeah, those, those, okay. are, those are 2020 numbers. You know, the, the other factor here is that of those students who have had job offers or recent grads who have had job offers, we're finding about half of them are either being rescinded, you know, because the, the job has just gone away, and or um, it, it's sort of being pushed back a few months. So I, I've met folks who were offered positions, um, you know, back in April and May, and the start date was June 1. Now the start date for example, is October 1st, with the contingency, obviously, that if the position's still there, you can start October 1st. Or if conditions from a health and welfare standpoint are okay, you can start October 1st. So I've known a few, a handful of folks who've had their start dates moved back as many as three or four times. Okay. That's interesting. That's kind of like an automatic furlough even before you start the position, right? That's a good way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things, you know, this is, I think, a myth, right, that I've heard. But in my years of being involved in higher education, you know, I've always heard when there's big economic downturn, graduate school, interest in graduate school and, and enrollment goes up because sometimes people step out of looking for a job and decide to uh, get more education to prepare them for the recovery, right? Do you see that? Or is it too early? It's a little soon. Um, you know, our, our university, I, I can speak to our situation and some others that, that I know of. Enrollment, um, so students reporting that they intend to enroll or they've deposited, those numbers are almost the same in grad programs and, interestingly enough, at the undergrad level. There, aren't, there isn't a huge disparity between this time last year and today with um, intent to enroll. Now, deposits are, you know, they're, they're due when they're due. Some, some universities are deferring, you know, their, uh, or extending their deposit deadlines, you know, until later into the fall even. So it's hard to tell if a verbal commit is actually going to follow through. But the preliminary indicators show that the admissions numbers are about the same. And, and to your point, I would think that grad programs, you might see an uptick in that. Although, you know, if you, if you think about the volatility of the, the labor market and, you know, folks have been tapping into savings to pay for rent or to pay for food or who knows what, um, you know, that's, in, that's funding that maybe won't go towards or won't be allocated towards grant programming. So um, it, it's really difficult to say at this point of if the numbers will be up or down. So one other question about current students, and I'm sure, you know, this is also an area that you have a lot of experience with as in, as a student moves through, say their, their undergraduate degree, right? Building their network. That was something you mentioned earlier. A lot of that has to do with internships and other networking opportunities. So I would imagine that internships, you know, which are, again, I would assume are a key component towards 
building towards good job prospects after uh, graduation, I would imagine internships are impacted as well. Do you have any observations about that, that beyond the, what might just be obvious? Yeah, I'll try to stay away from the obvious. Uh, I, I might need to mention some of that just as, to set this up. Internships are being rescinded just as full-time jobs are, and uh, or if not, they're completely canceled and have been canceled. What we're seeing is with some companies are able to pivot, turn those internships that are traditionally brick and mortar into a virtual experience. Not as easy to do if you're in you know, a social science or humanities field. If you're in engineering or STEM, you might be okay. Um, so I'm working with employers and, and leaders in, for various corporations to find ways to do just that, to pivot and turn something brick and mortar into virtual, even if it doesn't last an entire semester. So I'm, I'm working, or I'm sorry, it's our summer, working with folks to perhaps pared down a work experience that might run an entire summer and turn it into a three-week virtual project. So at least the student can say, I've done something with my summer, gained some experience, the employer gets something out of it because, you know, projects are being completed. So it's a win-win on both sides. Um, but the key is to to work with the corporate reps to help them make that happen and to connect them with the students who are willing to do that. Some students look at it as an all or nothing proposition. If I can't intern all summer, I really need the money and the experience. If I, if I don't have the opportunity to earn some wages, then I will work in contactless pizza delivery or whatever the case is because I really need the, the funds and um, I'll forego the relevant work experience opportunity. So I'm seeing a lot of that. And I, I just want to add that it's still not too late. You know, if you think about that sort of freelance mentality of interning, two-thirds of Fortune 500 companies are looking for virtual freelancers. And, I mean, that, you would, that seems sort of obvious, and it, it seems like it would be the natural route to take. Um, but when I mention that to students especially, they, they're surprised by that. So... Um, it's not an internship, but you know, you're just calling it something different. You're a freelancer for three weeks, or you're a freelancer for a couple of months, and then that relationship is terminated, but you know, it's still a wonderful experience. Okay, good to know. That's, really, that's an interesting statistic. It's good to know that the, there's a lot of opportunity out there for the, of that sort, which kind of leads me to my next kind of question. So what, what, do you suggest, what are the strategies that individual students should think about to navigate you know, this pretty challenging, hopefully temporary situation? I think first and foremost, it's important to show some resilience and grit and stick-to-itiveness and, you know, tough times call for tough individuals. And I'll speak with students who say, well, this summer is just a wash or next semester is just going to be a wash. I, you know, I'll maybe pick it up when things settle down. And, you know, if you have a, a gap in your resume where you did nothing this summer, you didn't, let's say you didn't complete a, a certification program to upskill somehow or pursue some sort of micro-credentialing uh, or do what we've been talking about, finding opportunities to freelance, even if it's for a couple of weeks, 
you have to have something on your resume to show that you have the resolve, in spite of obstacles, to keep moving forward with your career plans, with your passion, with the mission of who you want to become. All those wonderful things should not stop. And that's what employers will be looking for. Even if you're a first-year student, this is your first summer in, in higher ed, make make some gains and because when you're a senior and you're interviewing for a full-time permanent position, that recruiter or hiring manager is going to look and, and notice the gap and will ask you questions. Well, what did you do all summer? Hopefully you'll have a really good answer if you're not upskilling or micro-credentialing or freelancing. Right. You know, that's really mirrors some of the things that I'm talking to high school students about in the process of applying to college, whether they're at the beginning of high school or, or, or getting, you know, close to their time where they're applying to college. The biggest message that I'm giving students right now around their extracurricular activities is just that, you know, it may have come to a a hard stop because teams aren't meeting when school's not in session and clubs and competitions have been all canceled. And, you know, it's really disappointing, but the biggest message I'm hearing from colleges is they're looking for students that have um, a growth mindset, right? That they're not stopping. So they're pivoting, they're changing, and maybe the progress looks really different, but it's progress. It's a step forward. And almost almost any progress forward right now, it, it would be considered a, a, a success, right? So that sounds really similar. There are all sorts of wonderful um websites and I'd be happy to share those resources or for students or recent grads to find opportunities to freelance just to help make ends meet to volunteer or to set up clubs or organizations uh, with students of like mind and um, you know it's really important for example to get a group of students together and start a book club you know like you said you're at least doing something Um, have a a group of students uh, get together to help a community-based organization with um, by offering tutoring services right. online or you know or virtual virtual tutoring is a godsend to most parents in this day and age of right stay-at-home schooling that's right so let's talk a little you know you you have a lot of experience in higher education on on several different campuses and and it your experience goes well beyond just just kind of the, that little niche of, you know, job placement and, and um, career services. You know, more broadly, there's a lot of talk right now. It seems to be changing daily or weekly about what colleges will do in the fall. Uh, will they open? Will they be online? Um, and it seems to be controversy around that uh, and confusion. You know, what are, what are your observations? You know, you're on the ground. Are, are you seeing colleges open uh, what's your institution doing? Uh, you know, wh- what's your take on all of this? Much like the uh, situation with the labor market, it's um, it, it really is, for the most part, let's plan on opening in some way, shape, or form, but let's also wait and see what happens before, during, and after we do open. And I say we collectively as universities, um, Across the country, it's uh, important to keep student, faculty, staff, health, and, and welfare in mind. Obviously, uh, you know. Then, on the other hand, universities must remain solvent, 
and they need to generate revenue in order to keep the lights on. And um, some universities uh, have lost up to a billion, with a B, dollars by not opening fully and functioning fully, even just since March. The average loss of revenue for most universities across the country is, is between uh, 15 and $70 million. So universities are, are kind of stuck in the middle of, of those two very important realities. And in order to open in the fall, many universities, including ours, were looking at a sort of a blended experience and were, were giving students, faculty, staff the option to work physically on campus or work remotely or study on campus or study remotely. So there's a flexibility. Folks have that, that option. And um, if folks opt into the you know, the brick-and-mortar version of working and studying, then accommodations are being made to make the campus look quite a bit different than it, than it did in January and February. So room configurations are, are being conducted. Um, some rooms are taken offline, so there are fewer options for facilities, such as um, common gathering areas and res halls or common gathering areas and student unions. You might find that those will be off limits. Rooms that are accessible will have protective guards, or as they're often called, sneeze guards between the instructor and the class sitting in the in the seats. Students will be asked uh, and actually mandated to require to wear masks. And the challenge with the room configuration is, if folks are to set up a six-foot physical distance perimeter around a student, so sitting in a chair, then that could, for example, take a, a, capa- a room capacity of 100 and reduce it down to approximately 23 students. So if your, room, if your class has 100 students, and let's say all 100 really want to come to campus and get back into the swing of things, well, you can't have all 100 students in class. So now you have to set up a scheduling system where in increments of 10 or 15 or maybe 23, you bring them in on alternating Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and folks will have perhaps throughout the course of a semester five opportunities to actually sit in a seat and physically learn in the classroom. So there are all sorts of accommodations, and in some cases, um, sacrifices are being made on both ends from the faculty and from the student standpoint in order to make this work and, and sort of keep um, some semblance of that very important health and welfare standard in place. So it sounds like your, your institution is providing students with a lot of flexibility in the choices that they make for next fall. Um, how, which is a kind of a transition into the next question, really is the solvency, as we, we talked about a little bit, of your institution and institutions in general in the United States. You know, obviously, the you know, just when you just talked about the classroom capacity shrinking, um, and I can only imagine what's going on in residence halls, also capacity, um, the cost to the institution is going to skyrocket as probably an understatement, right? Um, and I can multiply that across institutions all across the country. You know, how putting these measures into place and and 
additional costs related to the protection measures that you mentioned and PPE and all of these things, how are colleges going to um, weather the financial storm, so to speak? Yeah, that's, to use a, the pun intended, that's a million dollar question because my personal opinion is that until we can fully have full occupancy in the residence halls and we can have all of the research labs up and fully functioning and when we can have the dining halls open and serving meals at full capacity and our bookstores are open and the, the cash registers are operating at full capacity. You know, those are, those are some main streams of revenue for universities. And um, un- until that happens, cuts are going to have to be made. I mean, that's just the way that it's, it is and that it's been. Um, you know, furloughs, layoffs, um, sometimes departmental cuts, you know, cuts in um, the number of classes that are offered, um, turning buildings offline and shutting down, you know, the HVAC and electrical systems and saving money that way. I mean, universities are, are really cutting costs quite creatively and just to get to this point. But I'm, I'm going to hedge my bets on the fact that most universities are not going to run anywhere near full capacity. So the revenue losses are, are, are going to sort of be compounded. And we're going to add another semester this fall. And then we're, I'm guessing, looking at at least part of the spring, perhaps, where revenue streams would be, if not you know, trickling in as they are now, um, you know, maybe a little bit better, hopefully. But th- the point is, creative cost cutting is, is what will be required to move forward. And unfortunately, um, you know, most operating budgets are cut to the bone right now. So that just leaves faculty and staffing and, and other ways to have maybe a creative human resource allocation. So, you know, one of the questions amongst, amongst all of these concerns when I'm working with students and families, uh, very frequently now, the, the, the pushback that I get from, or, or question that I get from families is, I don't think, beyond the safety issues for my student, right? Uh, just from a cost perspective, right? Because the cost of college often falls to families. Um, I get a lot of questions around whether it's, is it really worth it, right? If, if it's not going to be the what people are considering that what they call the full college experience, right? Uh, dorms are either closed or diminished. Uh, extracurriculars are shut down or diminished. Classroom experiences are re- completely different, either whether they're somewhat in person or online. And, you know, I get a lot of families that just are saying, I don't see how it's worth it for my student to go to college right now. I'm just going to pause. We're going to put it off. Um, what do you, you know, as an experienced educator, you know, what do you think about that? I, I believe in looking at everything from a positive standpoint. And earlier I mentioned, you know, do, do everything you can this summer. Make the most of it and find creative ways of making the most of it. And so I would say the exact same thing when it comes to enrolling in classes this fall and next spring even. Because... Let's look at what hasn't changed. I mean, we're, we're obsessing over everything that's changing, and most of us don't like change. Some of us even fear it. But let's look at what has stayed the same. 
we still have world-class faculty teaching our classes. And if it's online, yes, it's not, it's not the same, but it's still great faculty. You, you can still interact with them. You can call them on the phone. You can come and physically distance yourself and meet with them on campus. It's still possible. It's not the same. It's not ideal, but it's still there. And, you know, all the advantages and benefits of connecting with your faculty are still there, which you really need to do. We're talking about setting up and establishing a network for the future. It begins with faculty if you're a first-year, second-year student. So there's that. There's, you know, let's also keep in mind that 65% of all the job opportunities that are going to be available in the next five years will require a college degree bachelor's or master's degree or an advanced. So that's not changing. That's not going away. That may be adjusted a little bit as we find ourselves perhaps in a more freelance, quote unquote, society and job market. So there might be some changes to that, but uh, the vast majority of positions are still going to require a college degree. I think it's also important to remember that um, universities are doing the best that they can to provide that, you know, that near normal experience. So for example, we're opening up our res halls, not at full capacity, it'll be one student per room, but we're, we're offering students an opportunity to live on campus even if they choose to take classes exclusively online. So they're getting a little bit of, of both worlds, right? And so um, other universities are making accommodations that way to try to bring some semblance of normalcy back and I think it's, it's to the benefit of parents and guardians and students alike when they're investigating options with various universities to ask them how they plan on you know, transitioning into you know, the fall and the spring semester and what will look like it did in the past. You know, what are all those value-added offerings that you had that will you know, maybe be offered or some semblance of them will be offered. Don't assume that it's all going away. It's just as I tell folks about the job market. Don't assume that it's all shut down. The last two months, the economy has added uh, close to 8 million jobs. Not necessarily new jobs, but perhaps jobs that were lost have been reopened. So um, all is not lost. And I think that's the most important thing to remember. And when it's all said and done, your return on investment for a college education uh, is still about somewhere between 10 and 15 percent. You know, if, if, if you're looking at what's your return on education on average with the stock market, it's close to six or seven percent. And if you buy a house, you know, you're, you're lucky to get, you know, one percent or four percent, depending on when you sell it. So the return on the return on education, as I like to call it, is still one of the highest investments in spite of what's happening now. Got it. That's hopeful. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree with you that I'm encouraging students to pursue their higher education right now, even though it looks different. Now, health and safety comes first. And if, if a student or a family doesn't believe that that's, you know, being accommodated at what, what institution they're enrolling in, I'm not going to argue with that. Of course, they have to attend to that first. And that might mean not attending or choosing another institution to attend. But I think overall, we're in, we're in the, this is a, a longer term uh, prospect of what we're facing with this pandemic. And I think putting a, a pause on a, a higher education, um, I don't think it makes sense right now either, until I see something different. 
You're right, because you also have to think about how you're deferring your future income. You know, you're, you're putting graduation off perhaps one semester or one year, whatever the case might be. And, you know, I, I would suggest that instead of deferring uh, that, I, I think that it's important to keep the momentum rolling, especially if you've started school. And if you haven't, um, once again, taking a gap year isn't necessarily going to look the best on a resume. It's not going to look the best on an admissions application. And unless you've done something wonderful with your time, that, then that's fine. Uh, or if you have personal or family you know, concerns and there are reasons why you can't enroll in school in the fall, perfectly understandable. And although if you're just thinking, well, I'll just wait till the dust settles and then I'll start. I don't know if that's really the best idea. It's best to show that grit and that assertiveness and have that enthusiasm of you know, pursuing your passion and your mission in life. Right. I agree. And hopefully as this reality of this, hopefully medium term situation, right? And hopefully it's not long term. We know it's not short term. But as the reality starts to set in more and more this fall, everyone involved in higher education uh, from um, extracurriculars to res life to the faculty will get find some motivation to become more creative about how they address it, right? I think there's there's ways of doing things that we don't even know of yet. And it's just a matter of um, letting some energy kick into it to give people a college experience that's going to really feel valuable. That's my, I'm, I'm optimistic in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Well, uh, Dr. Behrens, thank you for joining us. It's really great to connect with you again. Your uh, experience and wisdom on this is really valuable. And best of luck to your institution as you move into the fall. And again, thanks for, for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Mercer, and you take care. All right, thanks.